Welcome to the Left Behind Game Club. This week, we play through Variable States, Virginia. I've got my brother on the show this week, and he teaches me a thing or two about stamps. When she puts that stamp on her tongue, is it a stamp? That thing that she puts on her tongue? That's a tab of acid. Oh, it's a tab of acid. Okay. It's a stamp looking thing. I'm like, oh, what is this? Oh, it was acid? You need to go for a walk. (laughs) Is it really acid? You need to have some life experiences, Jake. Yeah. There's this nice man who stands right across the street from our house who could probably (laughs) give you a stamp or two. Wait, he sells stamps or he sells drugs? I think he could probably give you both. You're listening to the Left Behind Game Club. Welcome to the Left Behind Game Club, our never-ending attempt to make sure that no game is left behind. I'm your host, Jacob McCord, and with me today, one friend and one family member. We'll start with the friend, Michael Ruffalo. Hi, I'm excited to talk about really, really great games. Me too, and you know what I'm excited to do? Introduce my brother, hey, <laughs> Jarrett McCord. How you doing? Hey. Hi. I'm outnumbered here, guys. Hi. Hey. Hi. <laughs> hey. Should we do this for like 50 minutes? I feel like there's no. a family language that I'm like not part of. <laughs> there is. Uh, so today we're going to play, uh, talk about Virginia. But before we do that, Jarrett, why don't you tell the people just a smidge about what you're about? Hello. Okay. Great. Keep going. Is that enough? <laughs> nope. <laughs> How many words? Uh, at least 400. Oh, God. This feels like high school all over again. <laughs> but I'm not getting school lunches shoved down my pants. <laughs> Okay, why don't you All right. s- say words? Anyway. You mean they would shove them in your tuba, right? Exactly. So, Segway. I play the tuba, mm-hmm. which is sort of a fun thing that I do. I have over six years of post-secondary education in the tuba. So you play tuba real good. Mm, You're really good at the tuba. No, 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 no. I've just been playing it for a long time. This sounds like false modesty. No, no, no. <laughs> if you do it for long enough, people are just like, hey, he's been doing it for a long time. <laughs> so I went to school for a long period of time, and now I live in Florida. Great. Because I am part of this sort of orchestral academy out of South Beach, Miami, which for those of you who don't know, is a separate island off the coast of Florida. Oh, I didn't know that. And I played tuba in this really good orchestra. We have a really nice hall, um, and that's sort of what I do on a regular basis. And I'm the only tuba player in the orchestra because orchestras only have one tuba player. Um, So I'm sort of like the black sheep of the orchestra, if you will. (laughs) I'm also Canadian, (laughs) and everyone else is not. So... So the, what's the most uh, common misconception about Canadians when you're down there? Living in an igloo is a big thing. Wow. Come on, really? And I'm like, I live 10 minutes away from Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you're from Detroit, do you live in an igloo? No. Okay, I don't live in an igloo either. <laughs> uh, what's your experience uh, playing games like? Um, so I worked at Best Buy for a number of years, mm-hmm. and I was actually the gaming specialist. So I was the guy who oh, had oh, to know oh. exactly. I was the guy who had to know a lot about video games, and you know, since um, I stopped that, I've you know stopped playing video games. I play a lot of 3ds when I get the chance, and I play a lot of Wii U when I get mm. the chance. Sort of stuff that's accessible. And when they release Tuba Hero, exactly, you're be playing that a lot. Well, I'm actually the star of the game. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, uh, did we were you allowed to say that already? Did we yeah. break an embargo on that? Are we allowed to talk about it? Headlines, no? headlines are coming. Don't tell anyone. Okay. <laughs> For anyone who's listening, please don't tell anyone. Uh, tell you anyone also play the Wii U. Um, it's quite popular with your orchestra, right? Yeah, we like you know hang out. We play Super Smash Brothers, and we like make up cool nicknames. <laughs> um, 
none of which I can say on this podcast. <laughs> Clean podcast. <laughs> yes. So um, if you want some cool nicknames, it's fun because you know, you're know you restricted to a certain number of characters. Mm-hmm. So you have to kind of get creative with the letters and characters and numbers that you use. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a lot of really, really good ones. We'll, we'll ask you about those off the air. Um, now we're going to talk about Virginia, uh, which is a game that came out last year uh, by Variable State, published by 505 Games. This was my pick. This is the third week in a row that I've gotten to pick a game. Mike's giving me the eyes like, you're going to pay for this. You're going to pay for this. Why do you pick all the time? Why don't you let him pick? Uh, well, typically we've been picking like one, one, and one. But I feel like I got euchred for a bunch of weeks in a row and didn't get a pick for like six episodes. So uh, now I'm just getting all my picks now. Okay. Right. Also, I mean, great pick. We're just going to cut to the chase. Like, great pick. Loved playing this game. Can't wait to talk about it. I figured you would. But let me tell you, the big long RPGs are coming. You cannot avoid them. Oh, boy. They're coming. Coder is coming. I'm telling you. Okay. So, Virginia. Uh, Mike, do you want to maybe tell the peeps about this game and I can kind of help you out giving us my pick? Yes. So, Virginia um, is a game, you know, directly. I'm grabbing this directly from the trailer. Uh, that I saw on the Xbox Live Marketplace as soon as I went to load it up and buy it and I was waiting for it to download. So I'm like, let's watch the trailer. From the trailer, it says, uh, direct pull quote, uh, clearly inspired by Twin Peaks and the X-Files. And so it is a story where uh, you are an FBI agent, a new FBI recruit, and you are partnered up with, uh, with a member and there's no dialogue throughout the game. It's just very quick cuts from one, se- one scene to the next that you walk through uh, and the story unfolds and I don't know how much to say about this story because I'm not sure I quite understand it and I'm hoping to, to, to decode it and decipher it with you all. Great and uh, Variable State is a new studio um, it's led by uh, the directors Jonathan Burroughs and Terry Kennedy I'm uh, sorry Terry Kenny rather um, Burroughs worked at Rare and EA ah. and Kenny worked at Rockstar on GTA San Andreas and GTA 4. So a good pedigree. That makes sense. Really? I mean, just given the art style, I, okay. I think, I think, but we can talk more about that. Um, I love the art style. Yeah. Made on Unity. Um, so we can, t- we can talk a little bit about that. Sorry, who's the composer? Uh, the composer is Lyndon Holland. Um, should we maybe just start, because we have an expert in music here, maybe just talk about the soundtrack to start? Yeah. Um, I mean, what did you guys think about it? Because I'm sort of curious about um i so this is the second time i played through the game uh uh, and there are a few of the tracks that i actually put on like my ipod and have kept on there namely the main titles Mm -hmm. um sojourner's truth and then um there's a track called flash forward which we'll talk about a little bit later i think is the best sequence in a game in a long time um but those are kind of the Orchestral. It was the what Philharmonic did it. City of Prague, Prague Philharmonic. Yeah. yeah, the City of Prague Philharmonic uh, actually performed the music. I really enjoyed it. I thought it fit really well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I read the note uh, before I jumped into the game in the in the startup menu. There's a note from the developers, mm-hmm. and one of the things that I saw in the note was it, it's almost like an explained credits of sorts. And I saw that it was written by uh, Jonathan Burroughs, Terry Kenny, and the composer. Uh, they all wrote it together. And I was interested to see as I played how that would manifest. Mm-hmm. And it was, I thought it was very clear because the music fit so well throughout. Um, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it clearly picked up on a lot of the, um, 
a lot of the themes of the reference Fargo, material. You know, I heard a lot of Fargo in there. See, for me, it's uh, especially Sojourner's Truth mm-hmm. um, was directly lifted from like Twin Peaks, like the that vibe, mm-hmm. um, the like bended notes, mm-hmm. um, the song that was on in the bar. Yes, when the band is playing mm-hmm. and you're you're sitting there and you put the wedding ring on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the music does a really good job at sort of enhancing what is happening at the game at Mm -hmm. that time. The only thing that I would say is just that it's very, I would say the music is sort of vanilla. Like it doesn't Mm -hmm. really go outside of any harmonic bounds. Um, the orchestra is really good. I've, I've honestly never heard of the city pro city of Prague Philharmonic, but, um, yeah, like I said, when, when the music, like when you're first driving down the road and it's just sort of these like big lush string harmonies, um, I think that does a really good job of sort of conveying the vastness of both the landscape and sort of the adventure that mm-hmm. you're about to embark on. But I mean, from someone who plays a lot of contemporary music, the music itself was a little mainstream, I would say. Okay. And considering how esoteric the game is, that was sort of a little incongruent to me. I don't know how you guys hmm. feel about it. So you feel that the game, that since the music was vanilla, but the story is is far from that, that yeah. there was a maybe not a fit. I mean, this is just me being an elitist <laughs> performer, That's but I just think here. that, you know, there's composers that are really pushing the bounds of what music should sound like uh-huh. and how people should listen to music. And if this is going to be one of those games that is pushing the bounds at, of how people should play video games, shouldn't the music also do that? Mm-hmm. that that's a very good point. Um, the reason I felt like it fit was because the the sound of the game, the I guess the the all encompassing uh, tone that I got from it matched very very directly to the source material that it was like pulling from so 30 flights of loving the x-files um twin peaks a lot of david david lynch stuff Mm -hmm. um so i i totally buy the point that it should probably match the the lengths that the gameplay goes to to go beyond what games typically do for me it, it felt like it fit because it was pulling clearly from those types of uh, influences definitely and it could have sounded like you know you could have swapped some of this soundtrack in for some of those at different Mm -hmm. times and it wouldn't have felt too weird yeah i I feel like for some of the big set pieces that's really the only time that i and i i literally named you three of the like main pieces of music that i was like man these are good Mm -hmm. but for the rest kind of alluding to what you said jared the kind of the average part of the game where you're not going through a crazy drug-induced maybe state or you're pushing the story forward because something just happened like i find the average wasn't memorable yeah yeah don't get me wrong there wasn't one point in the game where i was like the music does not fit what's going on here but if this game is serving to challenge what gamers think is the norm mm-hmm. why wouldn't the music make me feel like that as well so like going beyond on a product level and moving to like an artistic level exactly like as an artistic statement it should be more experimental m- pushing more boundaries definitely right and okay. i sort of you know in general i can 
sort of we can go down this road. I see this game as more of a piece of art than a real video game, you know, and I think that's sort of immediately apparent because of how small of a role the player plays in the video game. Mm-hmm. Anybody can play this game and it's going to end up being the same. They're mm-hmm. the cameraman. Exactly. Yeah, it's um there's a, a a genre name for this and it's the walking simulator. Uh so games like Gone Home, which if you are interested in that, we have an episode on Gone Home. Uh Mike mentioned 30 Flights of Loving. Uh we also have an episode on that one. They've been coined walking simulators because that's really all you do. Mm-hmm. All you're doing is walking and having the story kind of unfold in front of you and and some people question the player agency, but but again, I think this game's a little bit different than some of the ones I mentioned, but... The thing that I would definitely point out is, if you look at the credits of this game, it's uh, they talk about it as a motion picture. They don't, do they? Yeah, they don't talk about it as a, as a game. I saw that, yeah. Um, and other little, like, art, uh, stylistic uh, things are, when you look at the copyright date, it's MMXVI, um, which is what you would find on film... But you don't see that in games. In games, you would have 2017 or 2016 or whatever the year it is and not use the Roman numerals. That is very common in film. Um, so there are a lot of little things that like tip the hand to it being more film-like than it is game-like, which you know, I have no issue with. Our, our good friend Mo might. Um, but I, I absolutely love this. I think a little bit extra because I haven't been watching movies this year. Mm. So playing through this felt like just a great cinematic experience and felt very fresh because I hadn't, you know, seen much like it in a mm-hmm. while. Yeah. Um, uh, before we dive into the story here, I just want to ask uh, kind of what your experience with the game is and what you played it on. Uh, so we'll start with Mike. Uh, what's your experience with the game? So I definitely heard about Virginia in game of the year discussions and on game of the year lists. Um, I had never played it before today and I had played it on my Xbox one. And you had a little bit of trouble actually running it on your MacBook Air, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, because I have, I have a copy on Steam, and I loaded it up on my MacBook Air, and it got a little too hot. <laughs> and I, I didn't want to risk it. I didn't want to fry my only uh, mm-hmm. good working computer. So <laughs> I decided to buy it on the Xbox One and play it there. Yeah, because I think this is the first time we've played a game that has come out in the last 18 months, exactly, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, and Jared, how did you play it? And what's your experience with it? I played it on PS4. Okay. And you haven't played it before? No. Had you heard about it at all? No, not before you told me about it. Okay, and have you played any of the walking simulator type games? So Gone Home, 30 Flights of Loving, Firewatch. This is your first experience with it, right? Yeah, this is my first experience. Tacoma. Uh, Tacoma. No. Cool. That, it's sort of remi- Well, we talked about this yesterday. It sort of remi- reminded me of Indigo Prophecy. Mm-hmm. Uh, game David for Cage. PS3. Yeah, you play more of a role. <laughs> like You can sort of like walk around and like talk to people if you want to, but... Mm-hmm. In general, it's sort of very similar. The vibe is very similar, I would right. say. Yeah, and David Cage, Quantic Dream, went on to do Heavy Rain, uh, Beyond Two Souls, mm-hmm. and then he's got Detroit Become Human coming out next year. Exactly. Um, and then this is the second time I played through the game, uh, both times on PS4, 
And I would definitely say that my experiences both times were different. Really? Okay. Yeah. I can't wait to hear about this. Uh, so the story starts, it opens, and it says, this is based on a true story. It's actually not. Right. Um, but it says, hey, it's 1992. You're going to a small town in Virginia to explore um, the a missing persons case. Mm-hmm. Missing persons case. <laughs> uh, Lucas Fairfax has gone missing. And you're going to what they call the grandest little town in Virginia. Um it starts with Ann Tarver. You're the main character. You basically graduate from Quantico, uh, and the game opens on you in a bathroom looking at yourself in the mirror, uh, which comes up multiple times throughout mm-hmm. the game. Um, and then from there, you go directly to uh, the FBI office. There's a lot of jump cuts, mm-hmm. and that's one thing this game does that I don't I think I've experienced in another game before, except for 30 Flights of Loving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's... It's very clearly inspired by 30 Flights of Loving. In mm-hmm. fact, at the end of the credits, it uh, the very first thing it says before the credits roll is, we'd like to thank Brendan Chung for creating 30 Flights of Loving because we're heavily indebted to his influence. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And uh, how did you find... Uh, Jared, you made a comment before about the graphics, and I'll ask you about that in a second, but did you find the jump cuts were jarring? Like when the story would move forward like a minute, to like skip stairs or for example did you find that was jarring to you no i hate climbing stairs <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to skip climbing stairs then boy oh boy I'm fine with that. <laughs> i've got a video game for you great um but you made a comment about the graphics um something you found when playing right yeah i mean this is so small and i'm just like just like when the camera moves around really quick and there's motion blur that like hurts my eyes uh-huh I don't know how you guys feel about that. I thought the camera moved way too slow, so I had to jack up the sensitivity to, yeah. to make it move much faster. Um, I didn't notice any any blur, yeah. Um, so I did. I wasn't affected by it. What about you, Jacob? I think my least favorite part of this game is the actual feel of the game, like the playing part of it, like the actual <laughs> functional playing of it. So, it. yeah, your character moves too slow. Um, but I, I know it's intentional because mm-hmm. they want you to feel the environment, to live in the environment, and like literally be ready for a jump cut at any time. Mm-hmm. The bear climbing through molasses, though, it's just like, <laughs> yeah, and and it everything feels very big, uh, yeah, definitely, and, and like low poly big. So like if you're looking, if you're walking down a hallway, the bricks are enormous, and there's not a lot of detail. There's not a lot of detail in this game. It's a lot of that's the specific art style they went for. Mm-hmm. Um, but it almost reminds me of like those um, little tykes kind of um, uh, not Lego, but those little tykes guys. Big blocks. Yeah. Big blocks. <laughs> it reminded me of big off-brand blocks. Guys. Off brand Lego. Um, but the feel and then uh, the camera movement was way too slow. And I always felt like it was impossible to get like, say there was a key on the table. It was impossible to actually like go for the key. Mm-hmm. It was so hard and I would mm-hmm. miss all the time. One of the things I do appreciate, though, with the slower controls uh, is that, like you had said, it forces you to slow down and appreciate what's and be more aware of what's happening around you. Yeah. And I think uh, because it slowed me down, I ended up role playing more as a character, doing more slow pans with the camera across the screen, you know, getting uh, seeing the whole vista trying to get a you know a cinematic view of what was happening uh in in the area Mm -hmm. um which i don't think i normally do in games that i you know i have greater control over the character i end up just getting where i need to go as quickly as i can with Mm -hmm. the least amount of 
friction. Yeah. I don't I'm, role play as much. I'm playing Horizon Zero Dawn right now in addition to this game, and that game is beautiful. Mm-hmm. looks great on PS4. The vistas are amazing, but like you said, I usually find myself either running through the environment as fast as possible and just jumping over things or fast traveling. Mm-hmm. So I totally understand where you're coming from with that. I didn't mind how slow the movement was when I knew that they would jump cut me when it was an excessive distance. Um, like there are a few instances where they actually make you walk quite a, quite a distance. And I think it's mostly because they want you to get a cinematic view of walking down a long hallway with doors on every side. And as you get to the end, there's, you know, a whole room of people waiting to congratulate you. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I, I appreciated it. Um, it didn't bother me as much. It was definitely frustrating at first. Mm -hmm. It was something I quickly got over. The jump cuts. Uh, not only the jump cuts, but like the the controller speed and movement. Mm-hmm. So you're in the FBI office, and kind of the first event that happens in the game is you go into the AD's office, so the assistant director's office at the FBI. His name is Cord McCarran, mm-hmm. which is just like the best cop name you could ever get. <laughs> uh, and he hands you a file, and there's like no explanation. As you said before, there's no dialogue. He hands you a file and says, and you can read the file, and in it there's name of someone called Maria Halperin, and essentially you have to investigate, do an internal investigation about her. So this is... Have you seen The X-Files? No, I this haven't. This is the first episode of The X-Files. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I haven't seen The X-Files at all. This was amazing. Like, I was so hooked at the beginning of this because I'm like, this is The X-Files. You're a new FBI graduate. You go into the uh, assistant director's office. They give you a file. You go into the basement to, uh, to an agent who's clearly, like, shuffled and no one wants anything to do with them. And you're suddenly their partner. But are you really their partner? You're actually there as a spy to find out information on them. Whoa, is that spoilers for X-Files? Is that what the whole X-Files is about? No, that's the first episode of the X-Files. Okay, yeah. I thought that was the whole premise no. the whole time. I mean, it is the premise. Okay. You'll, you'll, so I'm, not, I'm never going to watch I'll the X-Files. I'll explain just the first episode of the X-Files. Scully is a doctor. And so they trust that she's scientific. And they say, <laughs> go and keep an eye on our quack friend over here fox smolder um who's clearly not very scientific uh and then she goes on to meet him in the basement of langley uh and find that oh he's he's actually incredibly well educated and not quite a quack but still believes in these very unscientific things so the whole dynamic of the x-files is having one partner who's the skeptic and the other who is the believer and their tension and their negotiation of what the truth is Mm. and what the explanation of events are um and clearly a lot of a lot of that same premise happens here um where one partner is sent to watch the other so you agent what is your character's name tarver and tarver and tarver is sent to uh kind of spy on agent halperin mm-hmm. okay um so from that you go and you meet the person for which you have to spy on and her name is uh, maria is it Again, I, I forget what, what last name is her real last name. Spoilers. Maria Halpert is her real name. Um, so you kind of go, and then the two of you get in the car to investigate this murder of Lucas, or not murder, missing persons case of Lucas Fairfax. Murder! It's a murder! <laughs> I think it's so interesting, the fact that her office is like in the depths of the basement of this really, really dark 
building. I mean, mm-hmm. she's like a pariah. Yes, exactly. She is the penult- the like quintessential pariah. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's been cast aside for reasons that, of course, you'll find out about later. Um, but no, I just think that's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, And, you know, skipping the fact that you're skipping along and that the game sort of just like brings you to different places so you don't have to like walk down the stairs and like walk through doors <laughs> i think just further shows you like how deep into the belly of this building she is in right you know, it, it's sort That's of a like, really good point it's like those jumps you don't know how far they are so she could be like a 30 minute walk from the top of the mm-hmm. wherever you start mm-hmm. i don't know yeah, no, that's a really good point. It really emphasizes how far you have to go to get to that bottom. To her, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. The ivory tower where all the old white dudes live. <laughs> um, yeah, though, right? Yep. Uh-huh. Your character is of color, and every single person in power here is an old white dude. Right. And so, I don't know if we're going to skip too far ahead, um, but there's there gets to be a point after... So, spoilers. Just so you know, spoilers. Yeah, we're going to spoil this whole game. Just, yeah. just PS. I, I, I think we generally would recommend you play this. It's a fairly short game. Um, so if you want to play it before you listen to this, go right ahead. Um, spoilers from here on out. Yeah, it's two hours. Yeah. So what, what happens is you ultimately flip on your uh, partner and you're sent on more and more in a very quick succession of um, agents that you're paired up with who then get sent packing. And each one of these agents is a minority in some respect. They're, I think the first agent you're paired up with after... Um, they uh, are all minorities. Except one. And so very early on, I was like, oh, wait, this guy's a Sikh. This guy's a black man. And what, uh, what I noticed was like, okay, clearly they're all minorities. But then there's a very quick cut to one of who I assume is one of your partners uh, who's like a white dude with blonde hair. So I was like, okay, maybe this isn't like all racially motivated. You know, maybe this isn't uh, we're trying to, you know, purge uh, minorities from the from the thing, which, you know, helped help take on a different meaning to the to the whole uh, rise to the top. Um but yeah, so I, I initially thought, okay, this is definitely white dudes at the top purging all the minorities. But there's there was, I don't know, maybe this doesn't do it right. But there was that one white dude, so it's like maybe this isn't all yeah. And because there's no dialogue, you have no real idea. Can I just make a general comment about like the back third of the game? Sure. The back third of the game is a mess. Like the back thirty three percent of the game is just like a, a straight up mess, and I, I think it's probably mean? intentional. But like, not to skip ahead, we'll we'll just skip ahead and then we'll come back. Okay. But like, can you tell me exactly what happened in the back half of the game? Because I think the thing that you just described was actually a dream. Yeah. So I think most of the game is a dream, though. Okay. Uh, did you put subtitles on? No. I put subtitles on, and one of the you hear this pulse uh, throughout the game, mm-hmm. even when you're not in the dream sequence, and what it'll show up on screen in the subtitles is heartbeat. Um, which when you get to the very end of the game, it's your father who's in a, uh, who's in a hospital bed who you're showing here. Look, I just got accepted to the FBI. Um, which if you're hearing that heartbeat throughout the entire game, it's probably not, uh, 
it's probably not. It's the probably reality. his dream, right? It's something along those lines, huh? Or her? I don't really understand this game. <laughs> well, let me let me just make that clear. Yeah, but I I've really enjoyed my experience with it, mm-hmm. and I've enjoyed the few hours that I've had after playing it, trying to like pick apart and decipher what it means. Yeah, I this is the second time I played through the game, and I still don't fully understand it. Like when she puts that stamp on her tongue, is it a stamp? That thing that she puts on her tongue? That's a tab of acid. Oh, yeah. it's a tab of acid. Okay, it's a stamp looking <laughs> thing. I'm like, oh, what is this? Oh, it was acid? You need to go for a walk. <laughs> is it really we acid? We need to have some life experiences, Jake. Yeah. I thought it was a stamp. It was a magic stamp. She put on her tongue and then she went into a, into a vegetative There's state. There's this nice man who stands right across the street from our house who could probably give you a stamp or two. Wait, he sells stamps or he sells drugs? I think he could probably give you both. <laughs> <laughs> what am I shipping? with his stamps acid <laughs> okay oh, yeah, that was definitely it acid. was acid so everything past that was like a, a drug trip. A trip. An, you know, how would you explain that bull cult thing <laughs> <laughs> but there was a bison also, in the beginning of the game also, like a bison walked across your car you take a tab of acid and suddenly there's an elevator behind a wall <laughs> right that just yeah. pops out i mean it was a very fast trip though she put it on her tongue in like three seconds is that how acid works no. Okay. Acid usually takes about an hour. Before no, honey. My, my brother's looking at me and he's like, where have you been? You're my older brother. And you don't know anything. <laughs> For the record, everybody thinks I'm older, so. It's, you are much taller than I am, but hey. I digress. Um, it's the beard. Should we go, should we go back and maybe kind of talk about the, some of the stuff that happens before the game falls apart? Sure. So intentionally falls apart. Yes. So uh, you get to the town. It's a nice, sleepy little town, just like in Twin Peaks. Only instead of taking place on the West Coast, it takes place in Virginia. And uh, you're at the diner, and you move through the game. You end up going to the house of the child who's either murdered or gone missing. You don't gone quite missing. know, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and. It's one I have to give real serious props to the designers of this game because they build the environments in such a way that you're never really lost. Like, I always felt like I was funneled to the exact place that I needed to be without there being any arrow or breadcrumb. The space was just designed so that way I would walk there intentionally. So you go to the house, you walk in, you find that, you know, there's a lot of people in the living room uh, talking, your partner's talking to the mother i think yeah and the pastor of the town i guess too pastor who's the father of the boy who went missing exactly and so you go into the boy's room and you find in the closet there's a fake wall of sorts mm-hmm. and you what's the behind side. the fake wall it's a dark room oh uh and the, there are photos hanging in the dark room mm-hmm. of different uh things throughout town clearly the boy was a photographer mm-hmm. and so jump cuts uh you end up going to the the areas that uh that are in some of the photographs, uh, science observatory, um, a creepy cave, a cave mm-hmm. near a military base mm-hmm. that's been cordoned off. Uh, and you go into the cave and, uh, you're looking around and you realize this is the, like the hangout for all the kids in the area. This is where they go to chill out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, one of the planks falls down and knocks out your partner. Uh, but before that, you find this cardinal in a cage, and you open up the cage, and the cardinal jumps into your hand, and then I believe it dies. It dies a lot in this game. Yeah. The cardinal dies about nine times. Yes. It has nine lives. It's a the, cat. The cardinal is throughout the entire game. Yeah, and the, car- the cardinal is just one of these symbols that sort of reappears throughout the game. 
And I don't know. Did you have sort of a read on what the cardinal no. symbolized? I'm like, is this represent religion? Because we have a pastor and there's this this cardinal like uh, right on the nose. Um, I, oh, I, yeah, interesting. I, I didn't understand what what the cardinal signified. I was thinking about like, hey, is this their way of saying like, it's the 90s, time is moving forward, uh, you're in a very Caucasian town and maybe this is their way of signifying like, hey, this this cardinal, which has died multiple times, is the fall of religion. I, that's kind of where my mind went. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't understand the symbolism of the cardinal um, at all, at mm-hmm. all. I don't know if you if you really understood it. I I can't say that I understood it. Um, the only things that came to mind was one: the cardinal is red, the color of blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cardinal continues to die throughout the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it, it was on some level some foreshadowing that the character that you're looking for, who you is is dead. Um, also, you find the cardinal in the place that you expect to find this this the boy who's missing, mm-hmm. um, and I. Th- think uh at the very end of the game when you see the boy walking along the side of the road he's wearing a red shirt Mm -hmm. uh that i think would match the you know color of the cardinal Mm -hmm. and he's holding a guitar case that looks quite a bit to me like uh the buffalo um oh like it looked actually like the buffalo like the the shape of it to me looked like the buffalo that it it came sprang to mind like a non-traditional guitar case like, hey, uh, we're keeping this symbolism going. I, you know what? I did look like a traditional guitar case. I it was just brown, mm. and it had the the right colors. Yep. Um, maybe I read that completely wrong, but that is that is what came to mind when I when I thought of the cardinal. Jarrett, what did uh, what did you get from the cardinal? I don't know. It's, I, I mean, it could very well just be one of those things that is sort of put in the game and doesn't really mean very much, but. It seems like oh, so the cardinal comes in three times, right? And the first time it's there, it really? Yeah, okay, I think so. Because you, know you pick it's up a, a feather game. at some point too, uh, which maybe that's different. Right. But sorry, go ahead. The first time it's there and then dies, and then you see it in the morgue, and it's sort of gloomy, and then it flies mm-hmm. away because mm-hmm. it sort of wakes up and flies away. And then the second time it's in that box, mm-hmm. and then she goes to grab it, and then it's actually not there at all. Mm-hmm. And then the third time, it's sort of just an ink blot, or it's actually not there at all. And wh- what part of the game was that in? Right towards the end. Okay. After the bull cult, cult thing. After the bull, the, the cult, bull, the bull cult, the thing. bull cult thing. Which <laughs> also, I really like how we've alternated between calling. I call it a bull, you call it a bison, and you call it a buffalo. So. Right. <laughs> Are those things equivalent? Nope. Not, not <laughs> Should we settle on one of these? Uh, I'm just going to say whatever comes naturally. Great. You'll know what I mean. <laughs> what do you call a nickel? Shoot, I'm going to lose if I say this. I'm like, what do you call the nickel with one of these on it? It's a, it's a buffalo nickel, right? Is that what know. you call those? I think it's a bison. Aren't those things the same? There was something Bison, in buffalo? the subtitles. I don't remember what it what it okay what it called it. Uh, so you just think it's something that just is there? Uh, well, no. I mean, I think it could symbolize something larger. Like, for example, if you see the cardinal. So let's just say that what you talked about um, the the acid trip and and you know going through and. Um, rising to the top of the FBI. Mm -hmm. Let's call that a dream. Let's say that that isn't real. Okay. 
and let's say that this trip represents something that she wants to do and and wants to climb to the top of the fbi okay so let's say for example that the fact that the first encounter with this cardinal it's alive and then dies and then goes away and the second time it just goes away it's not even really there at all and then the third time it's certainly not there at all let's say that this cardinal could represent success or could represent ambition or could represent mm-hmm. sort of any kind of forward drive okay and the fact that it throughout the course of the game becomes less and less real i think sort of mm-hmm. goes along with the fact that um her chance of rising to the top of her profession becomes further and further away from her or, or is becoming it's an interesting read. To grasp it's out know. of it's outside her control i'm just i'm trying beyond man. it's no I, correct me if i'm wrong but it, it's not only outside of her control it's the chance of it being real is less and less of a of an outcome right it's the probability just continues to drop sure or you could also read it as escaping this situation right as she gets further and further into this conspiracy it gets harder and harder to escape from can i also just add some like evidence to this is an acid trip yep uh the lo- the starting screen yep it, it says, says press, press x to, to go on a trip go on a trip yeah so you think the whole game is an acid trip I have to play it again, mm-hmm. but uh, because you hear, because I remember hearing that heartbeat throughout the entire game, mm-hmm. um, I think the entire thing might have been a trip mm-hmm. um, or a dream of some sort. Yeah. So this is the second time I played through the game, and the first time I played through the game, uh, I, th- I thought it was great. I thought it was, I, I, and I don't think I fully understood it, but I was just like, wow, that was different. Like uh, structurally, I'd never played a game like that before. Uh-huh. And then given that we've now played Gone Home, we've now played 30 Flights of Loving, I don't know why I liked the game the first time. Novelty. Novelty because it was so new and cool. So fresh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I still do like the game, but I, I look back at myself and I go like, you had you didn't understand a single thing that happened in this game. And like, <laughs> you really liked it. And now you're coming back to it and you still like it, but you just look and say, you didn't get a single thing that happened. I mean, I feel the same way about a lot of books and movies I watch. You know, I can really appreciate how aesthetically amazing it was, how interesting the story was, even if I don't, you know, pick up on mm-hmm. most of the symbolism or the underlying message of it. Um, a lot of the same things in books. You know, I'll read a book. I'll love the prose. I'll love the, the ultimate story, but I might not understand, you know, the, the message that it's trying to get across. And you know, without getting too uppity, like, I don't know if anyone can ever understand what the, you know, truly what the author is trying to get, get through authorial intent and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. It's like, I feel like this game is very much like an Andy Warhol painting. (laughs) It serves to question what is life and what is everything around us. And everyone is going to have a different interpretation who comes to it. Like, Jacob, you've probably heard me play some really weird music in orchestra. (laughs) When you play flug, which, like, for anyone that hasn't heard it, you essentially play two different tuba sounds at the same time. So I play a note into the tuba, and I also sing on top of that. And it's the weirdest thing you'll ever hear. It's weird, but see, that piece is still, like, pretty accessible. There's a melody. Mm Mm-hmm. Versus other pieces that I've played, like we just played a concert three weeks ago in Miami and 
there was this 44 minute piece that for about 20 minutes in the middle just sounded like noise. And I rehearsed this piece for 15 hours and then performed it. I can't imagine like when I listened to it for the first time, I was like, wow, this is noise. When I performed it 20 hours later after rehearsing it, it still sounded like noise. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, you know, you go to the museum of modern art and you look at a piece of art and you're like, that's dumb. And then you go back and maybe you'll say that's dumb again, or maybe you'll see something that you like. Mm -hmm. And the same thing goes with listening to a piece of music or a a song. Mm -hmm. You know, you might not like it for the first time. Some people really don't like Bonnie Vare, for example. And that (laughs) is very ethereal, atmospheric music. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it takes a couple tries and a couple listens to fully understand what his intention was. Mm -hmm. And I think that if we maybe take a second to talk about what the intention of this game is, then maybe we can, you know, deepen our appreciation for it. So what do you think this game is trying to portray or intend? What does it intend to show the player? So I'll just start throwing stuff at the wall because one, I I think it's clear. I don't know. Um, But some of the things that I would point out, one, uh, the first partner that you're paired up with to essentially bring down, mm-hmm. um, you find out that the person in her locket is her mother. Mm-hmm. And uh, her mother, when you look through the microfiche and the old uh, newspaper clippings, uh, you find out that she was a rapidly rising member of the FBI when she was much younger. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if we ever quite find out what happens to her. Um, but I think we ultimately get to a point where we realize she just like doesn't go anywhere. She doesn't get much further. Yeah. She ends up being stuck or maybe is pushed out of the FBI. So what I read through, because I read that microfiche, because mm-hmm. uh, again, it's the second time that I played the game. So I maybe spent some time in different facets of it. Um, but her mother, who's Judith Ortega, was using unconventional means to kind of get ahead science back in the 70s which they were just like that's witchcraft what are you doing uh and her uh the person that buried her is actually cord mccarran uh, so the same person that is now trying to bury um ann's partner who is Mar- uh judith's daughter maria he's trying to bury the daughter mm-hmm. now he buried the mother back in the 70s and just right. basically said i think it said and I, I wrote this down specifically this says there is no specified reason for the investigation it's just cord kind of getting his way mm-hmm. and when you i think at, at the end of that section break into her locked room pick the lock go into the padlock you find a corkboard with a lot of arrows pointing to a very old looking photo of cord mccarran mm-hmm. um where he's sporting a mustache and dark dark hair color mm-hmm. um and so sorry the the reason i bring that up is because i think it's you know uh i don't know what the right literary term would be but it's sort of foreshadowing in some way it's like you're an fbi agent who's woman trying to uh, proceed or trying to ascend in the fbi mm-hmm. and your partner is you know essentially trying to do the same thing and the same person is is taking him down. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe on some level foreshadowing. Uh, I'm not quite sure what the what the tie would be there, but I think that's got to be an aspect of it. Yeah, I think if we talk about intention, because you, you kind of getting back to that, Jared, you had said like, what do you think they intended to do? I think that they intended to make a game that kind of pushes the quote unquote, and I hate this word, but the walking simulator kind of pushing that forward. Um, 
what did someone call it? Someone called it a Rome playing game before, and I thought that was pretty cute. <laughs> Maybe I'll call them Rome. Jared's not about it. Um, but either way, uh, I think they're trying to do that from a story perspective. I think kind of getting to Mike, what you were saying is that they're trying to show a story of discrimination. Um, one of the moments that stuck in my head, the the most clear in the second playthrough, was when you're at the gas station for the first time, and your um, your purse just gets knocked over. Like, a, can you get a new purse? Right. Like your purse falls over and lets that file out about five times. Way too many times. Get a new purse. Also, get a new why bag. Are you carrying that around with you. Yeah, I'm going to carry this very important secret file yeah. with me, and it's going to fall over about five times. You read whatever. it like five times. Don't you know what's on it? Just shred it. <laughs> get rid of it. You don't need it. Crumple it up like Inspector Gadget, and it'll blow up. Um, but what happens is uh, you look up from that, and very uh, quickly there are three people in a car, a convertible that are sitting right next to you, and they're sitting on the top of the seat, and one of them literally leans over to your window, knocks on the window so that you hear it. You turn around and he shoots you the finger. Mm-hmm. So that to me, the whole game was just about like discrimination against certain sects of the population. Certainly. And I want to go back to the symbols that we were talking about before. So for example, the, the Cardinal just saying that if this is to symbolize anything, it's if maybe what I'm thinking is that mm-hmm. it serves to symbolize that, um, if you go too deep into anything, there is no escape or there are always going to be obstacles in the way. And then I think, so I've been thinking about these symbols ever since I played the game. And then if you talk about this bull, bison, buffalo, <laughs> whatever it is, yeah. I'm going to say bull. I, I see the horns. I think bull. That's okay. That's all I'm going to say. I know for sure it's not a bull. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Should you guys go outside and maybe visit the guy outside to get a stamp and fight it over about that? Sure. This big mammal. <laughs> so the first time you see it, it's literally in the middle of the road. Uh-huh. And it's it forces you to like, you know, the, the car pull it off to the side of the road. Mm-hmm. The second time you see it, you're in your room and uh-huh. you have all these like documents that you're reading and then it's sort of every time you look over to it it's sort of a little closer to you and that was like my favorite part of the game was sort of waking up bison <laughs> because i you know sometimes i wake up in the middle of the night and i see weird things in my room <laughs> so it sort of made me like feel like yeah exactly it made me feel okay about the weird things that i see in my sleep mm-hmm. anyway it's miami's a weird place exactly <laughs> oh man don't drink the water you see narcos is that about Miami? I mean, Miami's a part. Yeah. Yeah. My Jami. <laughs> that in Cuba? Is that yeah. what it's about? Yeah. Yeah. It's about the drug trade, right? Yeah. I, Have yeah. you seen it? No, Good I guess. haven't seen it. Oh. I guess. With it's the about narcos. the drug trade, right? Yeah. You can get stamps wherever you want in Miami. Or my Jami. Uh, are they stamps or are they stamps? Anyway, so you're sitting in your bed, you're reading all these documents. Buffalo's like coming closer and closer to you, presumably stopping you from reading these documents third time you see it it's sort of being roasted by all these men oh right yeah the cult thing oh, okay buffalo it's stabbed cult. Roasted yeah, or it's being stabbed right stabbed sure being stabbed and you're trying to s- stop it from being stabbed also you're given a buffalo uh stuffed figurine from your partner exactly at the ga- yeah. oh yeah at the yeah, gas yeah. station that's kind of cute yeah so she's an odd like what and there's no facial expression it's yeah. not like hey like here it is it's sort of just like here it is. I got you this buffalo. I got you this buffalo. <laughs> Why is that outside of a gas station anyway? Yeah. Anyway. And all these men are sort of standing there, A, stopping you from doing whatever you're going to do to the buffalo, uh-huh. and 
be like further perpetuating this patriarchy element of the game. And I just think the bull is the buffalo, the whatever is serving to symbolize obstacles. Okay. Because it it's is a, a roadblock. Exactly. It is literally a roadblock in the first situation and then is a roadblock when you're trying to read through the documents and further yourself along with the case. And then then it's, you know, where it oh, is later on. Let me take it a little step further. Oh. When your partner gives you the the buffalo, the the little stuffed doll, mm-hmm. it's like your partner's a roadblock to you, you getting forward. Whoa. Right? Yep. Uh-huh. Because that is right after you, you are looking at the file and looking through her car to find information on her. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yes. And and uh, if you're listening... I feel like we're piecing this web together. Yeah. Whoa. If you're listening, it's probably hard. It might be hard to follow along, but this game jumps all over the place between the dreams, the supposed dreams, and what is actually happening. Like The drug trips. The drug trips. You will go through it and you will, you will understand why we're jumping back and forth. That's the nature of the beast. Nature of the bison. No pun intended. Uh, uh, bull. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about Sojourner's Truth when you go to that bar, which was like the most like Twin, Twin Peaks. Peaks thing that yes. you could ever experience when you walk into this bar and there's a band playing and they're not playing along with it, but whatever. The music's great. Uh-huh. And you're just chilling there. You're having a beer. Uh, she, uh, Maria takes off her wedding ring or mm-hmm. her mother's ring that she wears on her ring hand. She gives you a ring. She goes in before you. You follow her in later. Then you put the ring on when... I assume is the sheriff uh, is drunk, looking a little disheveled and tries to hit on you. And you're just like, hey, I got a ring. Mm-hmm. I got a ring. And, and he's, he's like, like oh, oh, find okay. someone else. Yeah, Bye. fine. All right. Yeah. Yeah. The, just musically, that was one of my favorite pieces. Like me how too. it how it just like is there and it's like serene. And it, it reminded me a lot of, um, I hope serene's the right word. It reminded me a lot of the Super Mario 64 like, water <laughs> theme. And the way I felt <laughs> Mike's dying. I was not expecting you to go no. anywhere near that. <laughs> uh, ha, ha, uh, that's what I imagine. Like okay. walking through the castle right. or like that water level where it's that... Uh, you know the song I'm talking about, right? The water song? No, I don't. It just reminded me of Sorry, that. Sorry, it's been a really long yeah. time. Do you want to sing 64. a couple bars? Oh, no. It's okay. You'll cut in on a snippet. Okay, yeah. I just totally derailed us. Sojourner's Truth. So wedding ring. Sojourner's Truth. Thank you. Was for me the moment where it's like, oh, David Lynch. David yeah, Lynch is yeah, a guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's a guy that they like that mm-hmm. they like a lot. And I was like, I like David Lynch too. I really like this scene. This, mm-hmm. is, this is fun. I don't feel like I'm gaining anything from being <laughs> in this scene. Like I don't think I understand the story better. I don't think it was like a critical element. Mm-hmm. But I appreciated the moment for like the tone. Yep. Uh, you move forward and uh, you wake up in Maria's house and that's when you... She's a pal. She's a pal. You guys spent the night... To, didn't spend the night together. You, sp- you slept over. You see the lock on the door. Um, the game keeps moving forward. You go downstairs. She makes you breakfast. <sighs> yeah. What's for breakfast again? Eggs, bacon, Eggs, bacon toast, and something weird. Wasn't there sausage and fruit? Potatoes. Potatoes? Anyway. I just remember the meal you had where it was like you were just eating peas in oh, McCarran's so office. Tough. Single peas. Yeah. I was one. like, can we eat a little more, please? <laughs> I want to get through this. <laughs> Shovel your peas into your food hole. Okay. Yeah. But also the amount of times that you just like drink coffee. 
mm-hmm. and then that's your action that you have to do and sort of just like look around and i was like wow or drink a beer too there was there was a scene where you're drinking coffee or you're drinking something from a mug and when the mug goes down um like there is a different uh scene on the other side of the mug than what than when before the mug went up and i was like this is okay there was like some seriously really good directing here Mm-hmm. because that's like a very cinematic thing that you don't see video games do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really appreciated that. I really like the freeze frames on a specific spot. You could, I thought it was loading at first, but I'm like, oh no, it's going to take about a two or three second freeze frame on this shot. And then it's going to fade into something completely different instead of a jump cut that I really like too. I don't even think I noticed It's those. about two or three times where they would okay. freeze and then stay on it and you're like is the game loading or is and i actually thought it was like authorial huh. intent for them to say hey we want this to to fade into something completely different interesting that's how they to me transition between scenes like two or three times cool um how do where do we go from here so, i feel like this is where the game starts to unfurl yeah so you um your partner uh so the kids who flip you off at the gas station are friends of the kid who's gone missing and when you go back to the cave, um, you find that they're hanging out there and you get into a confrontation with them and the kid who flips you off grabs the necklace or the pendant on your partner's neck and throws it in behind this barbed wire fence into the ravine, I guess. And, um, so you arrest the kid, uh, you go back later. Uh, when I assume you're trying to mend the relationship with your partner uh, and you look for the pendant and I don't know about you guys, but I spent way too much time looking in the grass and I did not go right up to the boulder in the middle to find the pendant right there Same. or the locket. There was a flower you could pick up. I picked up three flowers. Same. Yep. Yeah. That's an achievement. Is it? Uh-huh. Amazing. Uh, and so you then go back up to the water tower that you and your partner were at before drinking beers. Uh, you find her there. You hand her the file and throw it over the edge to, I guess, signify that... I'm not going to rat you out. Exactly. And uh, you give the pendant back or the, the locket. Mm-hmm. And and then that's when that weird uh, that's when flash forward sequence... Yeah, you get arrested and then the flash forward sequence happens. Because you're in jail and you take the drugs. Mm, no? No, I think they let you... Don't they let you out, but they don't let her yes, out? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then you get let out. And to me, this was my favorite when I first played through the game. I don't want to say I cried when this when this section happened, but soft I was boy. I'm a soft boy, and I cried when the first time it happens. So like I wrote I wrote what happened here because uh, you have to, if I say watch one thing about this game, it's this two minute sequence. I've never seen anything like this in a game before. Very well, done. just all the jump cuts that. So I wrote uh, you make friends, you play poker, you rat on your new your new buddy, you get promoted, you meet someone new, you rat him out too, take drugs, talk to someone in the office, rat them out, talk. Rat them out. Answer the question. Rat them out. Get a promotion. Rat them out. Rat them out. And it's just a series of seeing the the title on your door get higher and higher and higher. Mm-hmm. And your office gets bigger and bigger and bigger until at the very end, uh, you are the AD. Mm-hmm. And you're sitting at the desk uh, or sitting in front of the desk where uh, McCarran, McCarran was. And you now have the same secretary. And she places down your name tag on the desk. Mm-hmm. And I think from there is where we get a first-person view of McCarran, mm-hmm. who uh, kind of traveling through his life a bit, mm-hmm. and uh, ultimately him sitting at the desk eating a steak and 
peas. You're McCarran then? Yes. Oh. Yeah. I knew that there was another time where it changed perspectives, like when you're that guy and you're making a popsicle boat. Right. And I think one time you do take Maria's perspective as well, okay. but I didn't realize that was McCarran. I'm pretty, yeah, I'm like... That would make sense, actually. Sure, yeah. And so... It's lonely at the top. Exactly. You kind of see how lonely he is um, and how because of what he's had to do to get to that position... Mm-hmm. He doesn't have friends. He's left there eating lonely with his secretary because she probably kind of has to. Mm-hmm. And then he is, uh, then it cuts to a scene of him on the couch kind of like being consoled by her where she's kind of like running her hands through his hair, uh, which is, you know, it appears to me very lonely. Yeah. <laughs> and then Anne does that. Yes. yes. And then she switches spots mm-hmm. with him, mm-hmm. which to me kind of, it was, I don't know, signifies that like she was willing to to do anything it took to, yeah. to get there. To me, that was the epitome of like um, be the hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Right. Yeah, that, that's 100% what that was to right. me. And then after that, don't you wake up and then you're back in the jail? That sounds right. Yeah, I think that you... Well, you see the file on your desk when you're the director and it says unsolved. And uh, it was Lucas's... Yes missing persons file because you were more interested in taking down your partner than you were in solving yeah the crime. and you exactly. go down to her office and it's abandoned but it mm-hmm. still has her name on the door mm-hmm. yeah many many years, years later. later yeah there's no molder yeah i think after that you take the drugs like that's when you you go back to the jail you get the red envelope that has again red another mm. the, again mm-hmm. you open it up and then you take the drugs and that's when like the game totally like goes off the so rails when a brick pops out of the wall and Man. then an elevator appears. Mm-hmm. And then, correct me if I'm wrong, that elevator goes right to the top. I thought it, you went to a cave rave. And isn't the rave in the cave, like, down? You do go, like, you explore that cave where you there's all those back to that cave. But and then somebody's face is in the cave. Yeah. The weird uh, statue. It's either Anne's or someone else's. Oh, okay. Yeah. And that's when the cult stuff with the bison starts happening. The, mm. the faces of the characters reminded me a lot of... Uh, costume quest the the adults oh the adults yeah do you see what i'm saying uh are unrealistic little cartoony you, you know longer noses uh mm-hmm. smaller eyes yeah things along those yeah yeah this game combines a lot of the episodes we've previously done so <laughs> yeah. if you want to interested are, are you interested let me try that again yeah. if you're interested in costume quest we have an episode on that you can check it out on the website um and then just keys and shoe boxes and uh, i don't yeah, really know what so happens you I think at that point you end up cutting to what is fairly, I'm sure your father's bedside, yeah. hospital bedside. He's dying. Um, you show him your FBI badge. Um, and I think he gives you a box of some sort and it cuts to you burning the box in an incinerator, which I think this is the second time in the game you've incinerated something. Mm-hmm. But what is in the box? You don't find out, right? You never know. I'm like, oh, I'm going to open the box and maybe there's a cardinal in it or maybe there's a key in it. But there's what? Huh? So um, he gives you a key that allows you to open a box, Mm -hmm. but the key gets broken in the box. And throughout the game, up until this point, you've had this kind of diagonal uh, bit of metal in your hand that you consistently looked at. Mm Mm-hmm. But you never quite knew what it was. I don't even think you knew that it was a key. Yeah, because it was like, it literally, like you said, imagine a key, if you will. All of the elongated part of the key has been broken off. So mm-hmm. you're like, oh, this is a pendant or something. Mm-hmm. No, it's a, it's a part of a key. Yeah, so that to me adds more of, since the very beginning of the game, 
it has been uh, a trip, a dream. Definitely. So you think the whole game is a drug trip? I think so. The thing that is the biggest signifier to me is hearing that heartbeat throughout the whole game. That's really interesting. Mm -hmm. I always turn subtitles on because I hate missing things. Mm -hmm. Um, It's an odd game to have subtitles because there's no dialogue. Right. (laughs) Why did that not click with me just now that it's weird that they have subtitles? So what do the subtitles say besides like heart beating? So you can have the um, any text on screen. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, show up as subtitles so you don't have to read the the small text in game okay um it'll also tell you like what's happening environmentally so when the kids come by the gas station to flip you off it says loud pop music approaching uh, (laughs) or something along those lines Mm -hmm. um and it gives you more environmental cues about what's happening it also Mm -hmm. i think says the name of either the bison or the buffalo but i don't remember which one it is yeah but the box i don't know is also maybe a symbol too but not something super deep just sort of the fact that she isn't able to open the box sort of just signifies that maybe whatever is inside the box she does not want to see Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. maybe it's Mm -hmm. aliens because that's kind of the last part of the game right that's okay aliens are weird before we get to aliens though acid trips are like notorious for bringing up bubbling up all of the deepest darkest things that you try and lock away because you can't really control your thoughts and so you know they just follow that inevitable path Mm -hmm. um and acid trips are long um so it kind of fits the the you know kind of length of the game Mm -hmm. and the you know if you're trying to lock up secrets um but they inevitably get you know exposed I feel like I'm not quite hitting the right nail on the head here, but I feel like there's something to do with the acid trip aspect of it and trying to lock away your secrets and then bubbling up to the top. The icon for the game is a stamp with a cardinal on it. So maybe huh. maybe they are trying to, and not the kind of stamp that you use to ship <laughs> product. Um, oh, really? No. I now know about acid and what it it's like. It could be the stamp that you use to ship acid, though. <laughs> Very fair. Aliens as kind of like literally one of the last things that happens in the game. Yeah. Weird. Lucas gets abducted, right? Who's the person who comes out of the UFO to take him into the I don't the think we ever know, do UFO. We? I couldn't tell. I couldn't some, discern any like features. Some lady? Because it was a it was a female. Yeah. And I thought at first I'm like, oh, maybe this is Maria because um, it was a woman of color. But I was like, I, I don't know. I, I just felt it was like someone random. Mm-hmm. It's just come with us. Come with us to the aliens. We're going to go to space. I didn't understand aliens. Yeah. X-Files. I mean, X-Files. It, it could have been his mother. If you think about it. I know his mother isn't of color, but I don't know if. Sorry, her mother or Lucas's mother. Lucas's mother. Yeah. Cause Lucas's mother was not, was not, but you're, we totally I don't know. skipped over the priest and, I, the, and the teenage girl. Yeah, and the priest cheating on... It was a teenage girl? Yeah, yeah it was his son's friend. Oh, yeah. I missed that. The one that looked like Scully. Yes. Yeah. Damn, good call. Yeah, thank you. Good call. I didn't didn't piece that together. Also looks like... What's her name in Twin Peaks? I don't, you know who I'm talking about with the, uh, with the mole, smoke cigarettes a lot. Either uh, way, I didn't realize she was a teenager. Right, and that's sort of the reason why he runs away is because he sees... And if you yes, oh. you look in his dark room, you see he's got a photo. A photo of his father cheating on his mother. With I thought it was friend. another woman. I didn't realize it was a teenager. And I think his mother and the sheriff. 
I don't know. I, I remember there being a photo of the sheriff and a, and a girl or a woman. Mm-hmm. I need to play it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So ultimately this UFO could just be his mother, Lucas's mother, taking him somewhere else. Oh, shit. Sorry. I Damn, sorry. I take I, it out. I just realized the um, the father, the priest, was boarding up the son's room because uh, later in the game when you realize the son has taken the photo of his dad, the priest, and his friend, the girl, um, it's the father who kills him. It's the priest who kills. And so he's boarding up the room because he wants it to be like over, the investigation to be done. Yes. To not have access That's to it. That's what it is. You think the father killed the son? Yes. So when... he would have revealed, you know, he took a photo of him doing bad things. Right. So the pastor's on his, in his office and the teenage girl's on her knees and... Uh, you see Lucas see it happen. He leaves and he runs away. But is there someone else lingering outside the door watching? I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay. I thought I saw someone lingering like outside watching. Like maybe it was the mother. Mm. Either way, I think the last scene which you said is Lucas walking on the road. So you almost reset from the cult uh, of the bison, the aliens, the the cave rave. It all kind of resets. And you're driving in the car with Maria again, and you look to the right, and there's Lucas walking in the road with the guitar case that you think looks like a bison in a red sweatshirt. Mm-hmm. And that's literally the last scene of the game. Mm-hmm. And it just, music, credits. Mm-hmm. Okay. Huh? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. I still don't get this game, but I like trying to figure it out. Yeah. I'm sure there are subreddits and great YouTube videos to watch on like what is actually going on here. I think more people should probably play Virginia. I want to talk about this with more people. Yeah. So if you guys have uh, out there listening in the world have ideas about what happened or really good summaries and explanations, uh, shoot us an email at questions at leftbehindgame.club or shoot us a mention on Twitter with uh, with any link or a DM. I'd love to read it. Yeah. Uh, any closing thoughts about this game? Um, I guess I'll start. I... Again, I appreciate this forum to talk about it because the second playthrough in the game, I just I feel like I was more confused than the first time, <laughs> and I didn't love my second playthrough. Um, I don't know what I would... T- like. This is the first time on the podcast where I'm just like, I don't know if I want to recommend this game. I feel like it's for a very specific... like If you like X-Files, Twin Peaks, Fargo, like any of those things... Those are all good things. They are, but like... Mm-hmm. I never watched any of that stuff. Uh, a, li- a little bit of Fargo, but like nothing. No, I've not watched the whole series. I, I don't know if I can recommend this game otherwise. Like there are probably three or four other quote unquote walking simulators that I would say, hey, play this one instead. Play Gone Home first. Play 30 Flights of Loving because it, it takes half an hour. I haven't played Firewatch yet, but like that looks interesting as hell. I don't know. I, I yeah. Especially if you have no one to talk to it about like, I don't know if you're going to get the value out of it. Yeah. Michael. I really enjoyed my playthrough of it. I want to play it again when uh, the season is less busy. I'll probably play it again. Mm -hmm. Um, I really love the references that it pulls from its influences. Um, I enjoy the mystery of it and trying to decipher it. And I've really enjoyed this discussion, you know, connecting some of the dots, tying red yarn, red yarn around uh, pegs in a corkboard. Um, ultimately leading toward McCarran. Um, McCarran. Yeah. So I, I've really enjoyed it. I would highly recommend it. It's a short game. It's frequently on sale on Steam and Xbox and PSN. Um, 
I would definitely recommend picking it up and playing it because it was a ton of fun. I'm really looking forward to Variable State's next project. Me too. Yeah. Uh, and Jared, any final thoughts on this? Yeah. I mean, I don't play video games very often, but I enjoyed it. But I'm also very open to esoteric niche things like this. So <laughs> I think as long as you are open to these kinds of things and sitting down and sort of being subject to being taken down a long, dark hallway. Definitely. Physically and metaphorically. <laughs> then I think that you will enjoy this game. I think you make a very good point. I'm also, I have, I tend towards uh, a little bit more uh, experimental, different, odd mm-hmm. yeah. forms of art. Um, so if, if you think that Gone Home was a little too uh, experimental for you, this will be much, much more than that. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I would almost say it's closer to Thirty Flights of Loving. So, like, exactly that game is that game free or is it like a dollar? I think I got it. I I got it for free. I don't know if they're charging for it anywhere. Yeah, but if you can play that, it's like twenty minutes long. And if you play it and you're like, eh, not for me, too weird. Then like Virginia, do not play it. Yeah. But uh, like I said before, we've done episodes about Gone Home and about Thirty Flights of Loving. So if you're interested in this type of game, you've got those episodes to go back to. Mm-hmm. But I also find Thirty Flights of Loving worth purchasing. Yes. So on that note, uh, Jacob, where can the people find you at? They can find me on the internet uh, at Jacob McCourt on pretty much everything. Uh, And I do stream most of the games for the Left Behind Game Club. Uh, You can check those out at jacobstreams.com. Fantastic. And Mr. Jarrett McCourt, what would you like to plug? Where can people find you at? What do you want people to check out from from you going forward? Your tuba video that's wrapped in Christmas Christmas oh yeah that's paper. a pretty cool thing i did yeah. that took me a long time i wrapped <laughs> my enormous tuba in wrapping paper it took me a couple hours and then i played it uh in a weekend's <laughs> worth of concerts i love the video the new world symphony that i play with in miami and it sort of made me sound bad because whenever you <laughs> put anything on something that resonates sort of like if you were to wrap a, a bell uh-huh. in wrapping paper and then tried to ring it. It probably would be a little more dead than normal. That's kind of what happened to my tuba. And I had all a bunch of solos and everyone was like, you sound a little dry this weekend. You and I'm sure like, you've been playing the tuba for six yeah, years? Because I've uh, covered it in wrapping paper. Regardless, um, where can the people find you? At? I post most of my stuff on Instagram, Jarrett McCourt on Insta, some yoga stuff, some tuba stuff and some Miami stuff if you want to look at that. Fantastic. And if, if people want to check out your photography, do you want to plug that too? I also take headshots. So Jay McCourt photography and also landscape shots. A magazine in Australia recently bought a sunset picture of mine for $500. So. Fantastic. <laughs> Speaking of Australia, Jacob. Ooh. Hit, Ooh. Us, hit us with the shout outs. What countries do we need to shout out this episode? Uh, well, if you're listening to the show and you're in uh, Russia or Japan, I say Australia because last week we said, hey, thanks to the Aussies. This week, if you're in Russia or Japan, uh, we charted in your countries on the games and hobbies chart uh, over the past week. So if you're listening in either of those countries, thank you so much. Big props. Big, big, props. big props. If I had anything fun to say about Japan or Russia, I would say... Arigato gozaimashita. That, yep. How about Russia? Nailed it. You got something? Uh, nope. St. Petersburg is pretty. Nope. Yes, probably. Uh-huh. So, uh, and on that note, you can find me at RuffaloM on most places online uh, or MichaelRuffalo.com. Um, please give us a shout out at Left Behind Game or Left Behind Club on Twitter. 
um, and check out the website leftbehindgame.club or leftbehindgameclub.com anyone that uh, wants to review the show uh, if you do so on iTunes or on Google Play uh, we will give you a shout out so uh, if you're interested in uh, having your name set on the show uh, you can do that on either iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play fantastic this has been a ton of fun ton of fun guys Uh, and that my friends is one less game left behind Thank you.